1: Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast version, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or mp3 files can be found at miamighostchronicles.com. You can also find information about my talk show appearances and any new book projects at marlenepardo.com. Or go to Amazon and look up my author profile as Marlene pardo I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and also listen to via Alexa, Sonos, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for Scary Storytelling, Nightshade Diary for Classic Horror and Adventure Stories, and of course, Stories of the Supernatural for Interviews with different guests as we talk about the Mysteries of the Unexplained. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy theories, and just about anything that is plain weird, you can visit Strange Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful.
2: Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural, and today I wanted to bring you a show about something that's called the mystery of dead man's hole it goes like this vast and barren deserts with their apparent lack of life are one of the spookiest places on the planet and the source of many supernatural tales the stark landscape lends itself to see the unimaginable perhaps a mirage or perhaps something more insidious in actuality deserts can be deadly for both humans and animals and only the hardiest plants can survive there. Are the tales of strange beasts, mysterious sightings, and ghostly visitors only the product of fevered, overheated brains? Perhaps what slithers, walks, or glides along the unforgiving hot sands appears only for a moment in this dimension before they take what they want. The first strange story we come to are reports of something that stalks the land of the Borrego Sink, 45 miles southeast of Borrego Springs, California. It's described as an aggressive Bigfoot type creature and they are called the Borrego Sasquatch. This dweller of the Borrego Badlands is seen in the arid spaces of the Anza Borrego Desert State Park. And tales of this creature were first heard by Spanish missionaries arriving in San Diego in 1769. The natives called them hairy devils, the Indians, avoided the area of the Santa Ana River and called it Tois Puki, which translates to the Camp of the Devil. They warned the missionaries to stay away. However, as more settlers came to the area encounters were inevitable. West of the park is a 44,000 acre spread named Warner Ranch. There is a hollow known as Dead Man's Hole, which earned its name because once a butterfield stage driver found a dead man beside the spring in another version five prospectors were drowned in a flash flood in the following years it became a stop-off point for stage coaches as they crisscrossed the desert sightings of a strange creature were reported by passengers on the coaches claiming that a hairy man would stare threateningly at them from behind brush during these years strange deaths occurred and the victims appeared to have been savaged by an animal The creature was believed to be the one who killed them. The place was described this way. Between the years 1858 to 1890, the spot was truly haunted. Many prospectors in the vicinity disappeared into thin air, never to be seen again. Until finally, only the uninformed would venture near. In 1876, the Mendocino Democrats reported on an encounter by a prospector named Turner Helm. The discovery of a wild man ten miles east of Warner's Ranch, San Diego County, the writer says Mr. Turner Helm and myself, were in the mountains on a prospecting tour looking for the extension of a quartz lead. The man was discovered by Mr. Helm, sitting on a boulder about fifteen or twenty paces down from him. He appeared to be covered all over with coarse black hair, seemingly two or three inches long, like the hair of a bear. His beard and the hair of his head were long and thick. The prospectors tried speaking to it in English, Spanish, and a local Indian dialect, but it didn't respond and just stared at them. It walked towards them. They pulled out their firearms, and it only retreated when they aimed their rifles at it. Other murders could not be held against the strange creature, At Oak Grove, 50 miles in the interior of the county, a man named Robert Gunn, a resident of Warner's Ranch, sent a letter to District Attorney Copeland, advising of the murder of a woman who herded sheep. This is the story reported by the San Francisco Examiner on January 8, 1888. In a small adobe hut lives a Mexican named Polito Escalier, known by the settlers in the vicinity as Chihuahua. He owned a small piece of land on which the hut is situated and quite a large flock of sheep and goats and has for years passed his time in tending them. A stepdaughter named Belita lived with Polito in the capacity of housekeeper and at times cared for the goats and sheep. One evening Polito left for a ranch some distance away informing Belita that he would return the following night. He never saw her alive again. When he returned home He could not find his stepdaughter anywhere. Thinking she was out in the fields tending the flock, he went to sleep. He was surprised to find her still gone the following day. He searched for her, but met with no success. He went to Oak Grove and told the residents of her disappearance. A search party quickly assembled, and she was found in a clump of bushes about three miles away. She had been shot through the breast, the ball passing through her body. Belita had been killed nearby, and her body was dragged into the bushes to conceal it. Nothing was found to throw light on the crime, and her murder was never solved. The summer before, a man named William Blair was killed in the area, and the murder was never solved as well. On April 8, 1888, the San Diego Times described the encounter of what the men called a monster, half-human, and half-animal, which had been killed at Dead Man's Hole. And this is the story. Hunters seldom venture into Dead Man's Hole, partly because of the general awe and fear of the place, but more especially because it is well known that there is no game there. Last Thursday, however, two venturesome hunters named Edward Dean and Charles Cox, determined to explore the dark and mysterious canyon. Up to a certain point, they had seen or heard nothing extraordinary and the silence was quite oppressive when it added to their natural fear of the mysterious place. The boulders and cuts in the canyon sides ahead of them were gradually becoming deeper and more impassable. The explorers had almost made up their minds to turn back when suddenly they were startled by a slight rustle ahead of them, and almost immediately a crushing sound, as if some heavy object moving through the brush was heard to proceed further up the canyon the brush and rocks impeded the view and the hunters scrambled up the sides as quickly as they could to a commanding point the sight that met their gaze almost paralyzed them with fear an immense unwieldy animal that from a rear view resembled the bear was making rapid strides through the narrow defile its legs were long and they were used with such ease and facility in climbing over the rocks and logs that on second thought the animal appeared more like an immense gorilla. Its hair was dark brown, and it was at least six feet in height. The front legs from their used resembled arms, and the beast moved almost upright, like a man or monkey. Its body was quite round and covered with extremely long hair, much unlike the hair of any animal. The hind legs or feet from the knees down were the most peculiar features about the strange being, They were extremely broad and long, and the insides of them, upon which the animal walked, were entirely bare of hair. Every time it made a move, it exposed to view the bottom of its immense paws. Except for the hair, the arms and hands of the beast greatly resembled those of a human being. The body was large and round and entirely devoid of a tail. As soon as the hunters recovered from their surprise, they began to follow the beast. It had no difficulty in moving along, and was making rapid headway up the canyon. To call its attention and arrest its progress, Cox suddenly fired a pistol shot in the air. At the report, the beast stopped and turned its face towards its pursuers. It was now about twenty yards distant, and full view and terror was added to the surprise of the adventurers. They saw before them a human countenance. The animal turned almost instantly and resumed its flight up the canyon. The hunters were now more eager than ever in their pursuit. At last, the beast suddenly disappeared in a narrow, obscure cut, full of brush and fallen trees and immense boulders. The next moment it was seen scrambling towards a small opening in the rocky mountainside. At that instant, Cox, who was a wonderful shot with a rifle, brought his weapon to his shoulder and fired. With a cry like that of a human being, the beast instantly fell in a hideous heap across a boulder that it was in the act of scaling. Slowly and with much trepidation, the hunters made their way to the prostrate object. It proved to be dead. Shot through the breast, the face was exposed to view as it lay on its side on the rock. The features were unmistakably human in character. The hairs on the face were few and black, and on the head it was long and jet black. The skin of the face was very dark and wrinkled. The teeth, which were partially exposed by the position of the mouth, were plainly those of a carnivorous animal. They were longer than those of a human being. This was the only feature about the face and head that did not exactly resemble the characteristics of a human. Perhaps the most singular point about the strange creature was the disproportion between its head and body. The former was not larger than that of an ordinary man, and yet the body would weigh 400 pounds. The long, muscular arms were provided with a pair of hands almost exactly like those of a man. There were five fingers on each hand. The outside of the fingers were covered with hair, but on the inside was bare and white and thickly calloused in places. The feet, if such they could be called, were entirely unlike anything the hunters had ever seen. They were two feet long and eight inches broad and covered on the bottom with a hard substance like that of a dog. The being was of the male sex. It was evidently a cross between a human and a human, and some carnivorous animal such monstrosities anthropologists say are often born into the world and many of them are mentioned in natural history after an examination of the body the hunters began exploration of the opening toward which the animal was making its way the entrance was under a large rock the explorers advanced with caution for fear of meeting a mate of the brute a large apartment was found not more than 10 feet from the outside It had evidently been dug out of the hard earth by hand. In the dim light it could be seen that the room was empty. Cox struck a match, and by its blaze all the mysteries surrounding the murders in Dead Man's Hole were revealed. In one corner was a pile of bones, among which were portions of human skeletons. Five human skulls were lying together. The half-man and half-beast was evidently also a semi-cannibal. On the floor, in the middle of the cave, were the half-devoured remains of a goat. In another corner of the room was a pile of leaves and weeds which the animal used as a bed. These and the bones were the only objects in the cave. The methods of the brute in its murderous work are evident. It sprang on its victims from behind and choked them to death. Then it would drag them to a place of concealment till nightfall. There is no doubt that if the bodies of Blair and Belita had not been found on the day they were murdered, they would never again have been heard of, as was the case with the many other mysterious disappearances in the hole. The absence of human footprints or human motives, and all the other remarkable circumstance surrounding these murders, is now explained. And thus ended the story told by these two huntsmen. Now, In later years, it became known as the Borrego Sandman, and it would still be occasionally sighted. In 1939, a man alone in the park set up his camp in a gulch. In the middle of the night, he awoke to the sound of something around him. By the dying light of the campfire, he saw several bipedal silver-haired creatures with luminous red eyes that glowed in the darkness. They circled around him, but stayed away from the fire and eventually melted into the night. In 1964, a father and son were hiking through Escondido were pelted with rocks from what they described as a shaggy beast. West of Anzabarigo, near Jamul, the MGM Ranch found three cows killed and mutilated. Strange tracks were found around the carcasses. Another person to have an encounter was U.S. Marine Victor Stonaya, who was exploring the area and came across three-toed tracks They measured 14 inches long and 9 inches across. He claimed he took pictures in plaster casts but failed to produce them. In 1968, Harold Lancaster was camping in Borrego Sink and encountered something that he described thus. I saw a man walking in the desert. The figure came closer. I thought it was another prospector. Then I picked up my binoculars and saw the strangest sight in my life. It was a real giant ape-man. I had heard about the screaming giant ape-man up in Tulum County that frightened people for a couple of years. Another person and I even went up there to look for the thing. I decided it was a hoax and never expected to actually see one. That thing was big. I was no match for it. I had a twenty two pistol on my hip, but it would have been like shooting at a gorilla with a pea-shooter. I was afraid the beast might get too close, so I fired a couple of rounds into the air The sandman jumped a good three feet off the ground when the sounds of the shots reached them. He turned his head, looked towards me, and then took off running in another direction. In 1985, a set of large human-like tracks were found, and into the 1990s sporadic sightings were reported. Is it the same creature the Indians warned the missionaries about? Perhaps. Who knows? one very weird series of reports of a desert bigfoot occurred throughout the 1950s and 60s at the historic mickey thompson's fontana international dragway at fontana california the city has a long tradition of auto racing sporting several tracks including the famous auto club speedway but one of the best of the time was mickey thompson's dragway which was in operation from the 50s up until 1972 when it was closed due to a cluster of fatal accidents. During the height of the dragway's popularity in the 1960s, it seems to have attracted a very curious visitor indeed. At the time, some spectators came forward with curious accounts of having seen a large, hairy, bipedal creature prowling about right out in front of the gawking crowds. Some scatter reports were rather ominous in nature, as a young boy claimed to have been attacked by it as he walked home in 1965. The boy claimed that it had jumped out of the brush to grab him, and although he managed to escape, he said his clothes had been torn. That very same year was another report from a young woman named Jerry Mendenhall, who said she had parked her car along a street in Fontana when a hulking beast covered in mud and smelling like a dead animal accosted her by grabbing her through her window, after which she floored it and managed to get away. All things told, the creature was seen by hundreds of people at the raceway to the point that it quickly gained the nickname of the speedway monster and sightings continued on even after the racetrack closed its doors in 1975 a group of Boy Scouts came face to face with a beast or through their campsite and in 1976 it was seen near a cabin at Big Bear another witness claimed that the monster was stealing chickens from his property in 1991 and in 1992 several motorists on Foothill Boulevard spotted it making its way along some railway tracks that passed right by a rather busy street in an area that was not particularly remote or isolated at the time. It is unknown just why this particular Sasquatch should be drawn to this one area or why it would approach the noisy speedway and its remains a rather oddball case. Such desert Sasquatch have been sighted in other areas of Southern California as well. Notably, was a series of sightings made in the 1970s at the Edwards Air Force Base in the Palmdale-Lancaster area of the Mojave Desert. During this time, several personnel at the remote desert base came forward to anonymously report that large, Bigfoot-like creatures has been routinely spotted through night vision equipment skirting the perimeter of the base, walking through it or even venturing into the many underground tunnels in the area. The witnesses explained that the presence of the creatures was officially classified and that they had been specifically told not to fire upon them. There had allegedly been several instances of catching a creature on surveillance cameras at the base, but this footage was labeled as classified and never released to the public. In 1977, a Douglas E. Trapp of the Southwestern Bigfoot research team and his friend Corey Rudolph had an encounter with such a beast in Corona on the northeast slope of the Santa Ana mountain range, which had been the location of a good amount of Bigfoot sightings in the previous years. The pair had been driving along a remote road that came to a dead end. It was here that they would have a rather harrowing experience, of which Trapp would say. We sat quietly in the Datsun pickup truck with windows rolled down, the dome light on, reading literature collected, from Slayton and Berry and old newspapers. Suddenly, the hair on our necks rose, and a loud crashing noise was heard come from below us in the orchard. We were frozen with awe as this thing lumbered through the trees with great force, breaking and snapping limbs with its girth. As we listened, we estimated that this animal was very large and very fast. It could be a deer, we thought at first. Then came the loud grunt and low moan of something that could not be a deer. Corey looked at me, turned the ignition key, put it in first, and popped the clutch. We almost did a wheelie in the little truck, and neither of us looked back. The reports we had read indicated that this previously seen monster might be dangerous and aggressive. It had, on more than one occasion, approached necking teenagers and rocked their vehicles. Neither of us were willing to let this thing rock our truck. The fear was real almost instinctive, like there was some sort of inherent warning. The reports we read had never mentioned similar feelings by prior witnesses. We never returned to the site, but continued to engross ourselves with investigating Sasquatch reports throughout Southern California. Another strange case involving some sort of humanoid creature comes from the deserts of the Mexican state of Chihuahua. At the end of 1989 and the beginning of 1990, A group of teenagers were on a mission to explore the caves of a place called Cerro Pajarito when they came across something that would haunt them for the rest of their lives. As the group was exploring one of the caves, they came upon the discovery of a dead deer and a doe that were freshly killed and exhibited three odd perforations on their necks that formed a triangular pattern. In the surrounding area, there were footprints that looked like those of a puma but it soon became apparent that no puma had done this. The group suddenly heard blood curdling squealing sounds, and the air became pervaded by a stench described as smelling like burning wood. The terrified group of teenagers looked and saw a hunched-over humanoid figure crouched upon a rock outcropping about fifteen meters away from them. The creature apparently started bounding towards them, and one of the group emptied his pistol at it, although the bullet seemed to have no effect." As a panic group turned tail and ran for dear life they reported passing yet another humanoid creature was described as being metallic green in color and standing only 80 centimeters high killer sasquatch and weird humanoid entities running amok are not the only mystery animals said to terrorize the world's deserts moving across the world to the sahara desert we find bizarre stories of giant desert snakes prowling the wasteland and the desert's northern reaches. Desert nomads of the areas have long spoken of enormous monstrous serpents up to four meters long, known to the locals as Taguerga, which are said to be venomous and capable of devouring goats, sheep and even camel. In the nineteen fifties, nomads reported a large number of incidents involving the giant snakes and appealed to colonial authorities for help. A French army detachment was allegedly sent out into the desert sands near a place called Beni Unif in an effort to track down the beasts. According to the reports, the French contingent came across a snake that was 20 meters long, so large it required machine gun fire to kill. The skin was allegedly kept but was later lost. This is not the only reported skin of the creatures to have been found. In the same area, a local man allegedly shot and killed a snake measuring around 15 feet long that had horns and a crest of hair on its head. The bizarre creature's skin was apparently exhibited for a while before it was purchased by a private collector for a reported 45,000 francs and has not been seen since. The giant mystery snakes were seen again in 1967 when a bulldozer operator by the name of Hamza Rahmani was working on the construction of a dam in Morocco and spotted a nine-meter-long snake with a mane of hair on its head that was rather oddly eating engine grease. The startled bulldozer driver alleged that he rammed the thing with a bulldozer blade and killed it. The construction site was apparently a popular haunt for the creatures because several more were subsequently seen in the vicinity. A 10-meter-long snake with horns that was seen in 1968 and another 15-meter-long one spotted in 1969. It is not known what happened to the body of the serpent allegedly killed by Romani. The horrors of the desert come not only from the land of the flesh and blood, but also from beyond the realm of the living, and the desert harbors various seemingly paranormal horrors as well. One well-known story is that of the Lady in White of the mining town of Vallecito in Calaveras County, California. The story goes that an ill young woman arrived here by stage in the late 1850s on her way to Sacramento to meet up with her lover. The ravages of travel, malnutrition, and lack of water had taken their toll on the woman, and although townsfolk tried their best to save her, she soon perished. When the bag she had been carrying was examined, among the various belongings was found an immaculate, laced, brand-new white dress that was speculated to have been her wedding dress. The dead woman was dressed in the dress and buried at Campo Santo, nearby the stage station. Since that time, the ghostly woman has often been seen on moonless nights wandering around the town in her white dress. Although this ghost is not known to be malicious, she is reported to instill a distinct sense of unease and fear in those that see her. Rayecito also has a distinction of being the lair of a spectral horse that holds the key to a long-lost desert treasure. It all started with the botched hold-up of a stagecoach on its way to Vallecito Station, carrying an estimated 65000 in cash. As the four would-be robbers made their escape, the stagecoach driver fired at them and took one of the men down. Oddly, the driver found two bodies, or he expected to find one, and surmised that one of the bandits had killed a member of his own party as well, possibly so that he could have a larger share of the loot. The two remaining thieves made their way into the desert wasteland and buried their loot before heading into town to have drinks. It is at this point that the tourists said to have gotten into a drunken argument, and the bandit leader went to get his white horse, after which he barged into the establishment atop the horse and maliciously shot his partner, who, before dying, managed to shoot back and kill the horse-mounted leader of the gang. The horse, spooked by the loud gunfire, fled into the desert and was never seen again, at least alive. The story goes that if anyone approaches the secret stash of loot, the ghost of the white horse will come stampeding out of the desert to chase them away before vanishing into thin air. Not far from the Vallecito stage station is another supposedly haunted locale, a place called Carrizo Wash. It is said that a ghostly stagecoach known as the Phantom Stage can be seen from time to time, blazing across the desert, by a team of four spectral mules and driven by a mysterious hunched over shadowy figure the ghostly stagecoach is said to slow down by where carizo station once stood only to seemingly realize that it is not there anymore and continues on into the desert badlands a spooky element of the story is that the phantom stage is said to leave behind rut marks from its wheels as well as the footprints of the mules The phantom stagecoach has been linked to another legend of the area, that of a lost treasure of gold coins that was carried within a stagecoach during the 1860s. Legends has it that a stagecoach was loaded with gold coins and headed out from El Paso on its way to San Diego, when, in the vicinity of the Fish and Coyote Mountains near Yuma, Arizona. It was held up by robbers. The robbers shot the driver dead, who slumped over in his seat. The stage and apparently continued on as the spooked horses dragged it on into the desert or disappeared into the desolate Badlands. There are those who believe that the phantom stagecoach is the ghostly incarnation of this stagecoach, eternally looping about its original route. Perhaps an even more bizarre phantom vehicle is reported from the coastal desert region of Brazil's northern region of Maranhão. Here there is said to be a spectral phantom jeep that the locals refer to as Kabure, which tears through the harsh wasteland, where there are no roads and brush strewn rocky gulches that even an off road vehicle would not be able to navigate. The phantom vehicle is said to drive about aimlessly and sometimes race around doing doughnuts out in the barren landscape. The ghostly jeep is said to have headlights that can become dazzlingly bright, bright enough to blind eyewitnesses, and the blue tinted illumination is known to light up the desert as if it were broad daylight. The jeep apparently has a mischievous streak, with a rather disconcerting habit of bearing down on witnesses as if to run them over, only to vanish right before impact, leaving the terrified, baffled victim in a state of confusion. The Mangueras River of the area also has stories of a mysterious phantom boats that are said to similarly put themselves on collision courses, with fishing boats only to disappear before colliding with them another apparition of the desert can supposedly be found at a place called the Yaqui well in the deserts of America's southwest where three ghostly entities are said to emerge and dance about on nights of the full moon. The story behind the dancing ghost begins with three immigrants to the area who arrived at the well after almost dying of thirst on their journey to find a short route through the desert from Yuma to California. Upon reaching the well One of the immigrants died soon after drinking from the well, and his companion noticed some gold nuggets fall out of the dead man's pocket. Unsure of where the gold had come from, the two remaining men soon became overcome with greed, and a heated argument ensued, during which one of the men drowned his companion in the well. An Indian who had been watching the violent fiasco reported that the remaining man went into a delirious frenzy and ran off into the desert, maniacally shouting gold gold before disappearing forever it is said that on hot summer nights of a full moon one of the dead men rises from the muddy waters of the well another appears from the surrounding brush and the others arrive on a cool breeze from the desert after which they join hands and cavort around the well before disappearing leaving the area much chillier than its surroundings one of the scarier phantoms of the desert is an apparition that takes on the appearance of an eight foot tall, glowing skeleton with a lantern in its chest, which roams the badlands between Superstition Mountain and Seventeen Palms and the state of Arizona. This rather frightening and monstrous specter was reportedly first seen way back in the 1800s by a prospector rather appropriately named Charlie Arizona. Arizona was settling down his camp for the night when he heard his burros. Acting up on the edge of the camp. When the prospector went to investigate, he reportedly saw a huge skeleton, eight feet tall, with a lantern glowing through its ribcage shambling about the desert. The sinister apparition was described as seemingly looking for something out among the scrub brush, which it did for some time before wandering off over a ridge. The skeleton was then seen several more times by people camping out in the desert and two adventurous young men decided to actually go out in search of the thing. After spending three nights in the desert looking for it, the glowing ghost skeleton finally appeared out in the desert, wandering around aimlessly, at first making itself known as merely a bobbing, inexplicable light, but clearly a specter No closer inspection. The adventurers fired at it with rifles, but the wraith was impervious to their gunfire and continued on its way unfazed. The two men allegedly followed the skeleton for three miles through rugged terrain before they lost it in a canyon. Locals believe that the ghostly skeleton was the spirit of a miner looking for a lost secret mine. A potent local legend has long been that of Peg Leg Smith's lost mine, a lost mine full of gold that has been the quarry of many ultimately failed expeditions to find it. The desert. Is an eerie scary place at times for here among the eternal shifting sands and unchanging landscape lurked mysterious animals and spectral apparitions that roam the barren badlands gullies ridges and scrubland of these forgotten places deserts are natural places for mysteries and mysteries they have in spades here in the most unforgiving terrain on earth lie enigmas and horrors that will perhaps forever remain ensconced and the dusty sands of this little understood realm.
0: We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on route metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Own the road with T Mobile, the leader in 5G. Whether you're cruising through Nashville on I 40, heading down I 90 to Boston, or touring Santa Cruz on the Five, you'll be covered by the largest 5G network. T Mobile covers the most interstate highway miles in America with 5G. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Most reliable according to independent third-party umla from crowdsourced user experience data from January
2: to July 2021. Fastest according to Open Signal Awards based on average speeds in USA. 5G user experience report July 2021.